Hello, this is Richard Outram, and welcome to the Prepare for Growth podcast series, bite-sized wisdom for leadership and personal development. So thank you for taking time out to join me. I'm so grateful for this unique opportunity. Okay, and in this week's podcast, I'm thrilled to introduce Dimitri Kosko, CEO of Motorsports Games, a subsidiary of Motorsports Network, trading on NASDAQ, it's an innovative and engaging video game company with exciting esports competitions and content for racing fans and gamers around the globe. The company is the officially licensed video game developer and publisher for iconic motorsport racing series, including NASCAR, IndyCar, 24 Hours of Le Mans, and the British Touring Car Championship. Prior to motorsports, Dimitri was president of IC Realtek a video technology company and CEO of various other entrepreneurial technology companies, including Ultracast and NASDAQ traded NetElement. Dimitri, as an innovative techpreneur, has 26 technology patents to his name. And Dimitri's wisdom bite for today is anything is possible with the right drive. Dimitri, I am so thrilled to have you on the show. We go back a long way over a number of years. This is just going to be a fabulous conversation. So welcome to the show, Dimitri. Thanks, Richard. Uh, I mean, you set the expectation uh, quite high. So I'm just <laughs> happy to talk to you. Absolutely. And so was there anything else you wanted to add to the introduction, Dimitri? No, I think you summarized it much better than even my mom would. <laughs> okay, wonderful, Dimitri. So um, our framework, we're going to start off with what have you learned? A main segment here. And so, Dimitri... I've known you for several years now as an inspirational techpreneur with game-changing technologies and patents. So in fairly quick fashion, Dimitri, tell us what is Dimitri's tech innovation playbook? Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I would say somehow I have uh, a sense of looking at something and right away imagining it better. I don't know, it's just maybe a critic in me to see a door handle and saying, well, this doesn't turn right, I could make it better uh, or driven by something else. But there's always some sort of an eye on looking at something, appreciating it, and then saying, but what if we just tweak this a little bit? That should be something else. And a lot of the innovations, as you call it, or the industry calls innovation, a lot of times it's just an improvement on somebody that really innovated. So I think it's too loud of a word to say I'm an innovator by any means, um, but I do like to notice uh, slight improvements in, in things that I observe. And, I, and having worked close with you for a couple of years, Dimitri, I can endorse that completely. I was, <laughs> as a more structured person, as the CFO of the company, you were so kind of creative. You had a really kind of gray space about there. And I tell you, you were so inspirational, Dimitri. I got to tell you that first time. You're, you're, you're too kind. You're too kind. Uh, when do I settle the payment for that endorsement? <laughs> so, so what have you learned about what it takes to launch successful tech ventures? Uh, fail. <laughs> I, I learned how to fail, I would say. Um, I think one of the uh, biggest learning lessons is to recognize, at least for me, that failure is a learning process. And I learned to appreciate failure as something like that. So I think quick to rebound and persevere and to look at it and say, okay, that didn't work. Now I know one more way that it doesn't work. So let's just try another way and another way and another way. Uh, in the beginning of times, um, I'm myself biggest critic, right? And I would go very harsh on myself at certain failures and so on. And I think as I learn to progress, others, you know, put a spotlight on it and say, well, you failed at that, but you did that great. And I said, really? That, that's nice. Somebody else noticed. Maybe I should start noticing those things as well. And that helped um, to move on quicker, right? And I, I guess build kind of resilience uh, uh, as, as experience came about. So I would say the biggest lesson is learning how to fail and move on quickly and derive kind of the positivity out of uh, how not to do it again. Right. No, absolutely. And so can anyone come up with a game changing and exponential ideas of you as you've done? 
Absolutely. I'm no special. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I, and I think, take? what was the question? What does it take and what mindset was mind, what, what must you nurture? Uh, to come up with something innovative? Yes. Um, constantly uh, believe that there's room for improvement. I think uh, a lot of times I notice uh, and, and there's many, many companies that come out of the woodwork and people would say, what the heck? I, I didn't think that there's room for improvement in that field or that market or, or that product, but yet somehow they blow up and uh, showcase that no matter what you look at, there's always innovation around it. There's always something to make it better. I mean, look at when Google popped, right? That was as Jeeves that were you know, Yahoo, that, that looked like everything in the kitchen sink on that page. Like there was everything. Who would have thought that you could do engine much better, search engine? They did. And, and I could go on and on and on and on and on um, of these now called disruptors at that time called crazy when somebody thought that something could be changed for the better. So I would say continue in order to get there, right? And arguably when somebody recognizes they get there or not, but uh, that's a self, I think, assessment. But in order to get there, you got to try. You got to try that, you know, look at something, notice something. I bet something is obvious to every single person, whether yes. they look at a, a process, a business, an ice cream, anything, right? I bet everybody has an idea how to improve something, and they just need to try. Without the try, guarantee you're not going to improve. Guarantee you're not going to innovate and guarantee you're not going to make it better. But you might try, you might fail, but you'll learn how it didn't work. And if you keep on trying, which I'm repeating much smarter people than me, what they say, keep on trying and eventually you win, right? It's like almost a numbers game. Uh, eventually something to give. So as long as you don't give up first, there's one thing that I quote, I don't remember who I learned it from, but again, I'm sure somebody very smart. They say the difference between a winner and a loser is just one more try. Absolutely. And, and, and think about it. That, that's all it is. So I think when somebody succeeded, that's just because they tried one more time than the person that didn't succeed before that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so what's the one piece of advice for budding innovators on getting to a commercially viable idea? Uh, find application for your innovation. I think uh, there's a lot of innovation out there uh, that's a description of how to do better, but I'm not sure that every innovation out there is uh, pushed through to actual application. So I think one piece of advice is as you look to improve, uh, right away look at, well, how, how to do it and what exactly is going to happen and try it. You know, don't just describe an innovation and don't just think about the ideas. You know, you could take a lot of ideas to grave that don't, that don't good, do no good to society, right? Try to actually implement them. Otherwise, you're just going to pass away as an extremely smart person. Got it. Got it. Okay. Great advice, Dimitri. I appreciate it. And, and you know, as we go back to Wisdom Bite and, and talk about anything is possible, the right drive. I think for you, particularly what I noticed when we worked together, uh, Dimitri, is you really were focused on a North Star. You really had a purpose around that. And, you know, even that in the innovative technology and video technology world, I noticed that you fixed on a North Star and you continue that drive towards that. Tell us a little bit more about being towards a purpose and that North Star. I think that's absolutely everything. Uh, there, look, without a doubt, they will be uh, things that challenge you along the way, guaranteed. Uh, yeah. If they don't, something is not right, then you probably didn't reach a real level of innovation or you might've just got lucky, uh, which is okay too. But without a doubt, there will be roadblocks, challenges, jealousy, you name it. Like everything possible you could think of and those things that you cannot even predict will come out of the woodwork and knock you off your path. Yeah. The only thing that could get you going, and they kind of call it the North Star because you keep on looking up regardless of how you keep on falling, 
get up, keep looking, keep going. Yeah. Like the only thing that will get you going is knowing what that North Star is. What is that end result that you're really trying to get to and have enough passion and drive, believe in the reason why you're trying to go there. And I think I, you know, not everybody uh, that I meet uh, have even the North Star in their personal life, their business life, their business objective. They, they don't. And then I see them struggle or I see them succeeding and still being unhappy. And I, can, I attribute that to, well, you didn't identify your North Star. You didn't even know where's the finish line. You didn't quantify it. And you didn't believe in it so strong enough that nothing could knock you off your horse while you're trying to get there. So for me, I mean, it's interesting enough that you identified that. Um, I try to focus on that and don't let the noise, because experience shows there will always be noise, uh, distract me. Going there, if I believe in the purpose, I believe in that North Star, nothing is getting in my way. Right, right, right. Okay. The gaming industry. It's, you know, the market trends, it's hundred approximately $180 billion industry, at least in 2021. Two and a half billion people play games. And of the esports segment, 450 million people play in that segment as well. Where's the gaming industry going in the future, Dimitri? Everywhere. Uh, it is, I think it's the, the kind of most joyful, interactive entertainment uh, than there is. Right, and I think gaming has been around for a long time. Uh, we got, I call it kind of passive entertainment, right? Where there's music, there's uh, movies and other things that you're kind of just on the consuming end. But more and more, we are moving towards being part of those stories, crafting those stories, showcasing our individuality, right? And that is so possible in an interactive entertainment format like gaming. So yeah. I'm a true believer. Gaming is going to be everywhere in some shape or form. Uh, but it's, you know, not to correct your quote, but 3 billion players do it in some capacity already. Most of it is on mobile. Most of it as, uh, you know, maybe passing time. Uh, but still, they're interacting and they're trying to influence something uh, like an outcome. And that gives them a sense of progression. And I think progression is important in life as well. So. Absolutely. And so you've always been, as long as I've known you as well, you've always been a very positive person. So mm. what are the opportunities that gaming enables to make the world a better place? You mentioned joy and always his passion in getting people together and so forth. Tell us a little bit more about what you think the opportunities are. Ah, well, one of the goals we're striving for, especially at motorsport games and why I like racing games in particular, is that that's an interactive form of entertainment that could really bring joy. That, that word means a lot to me, you know, especially if what the world has experienced in the past 24 months, 36 months. Uh, there's a lot of, there was a lot of uncertainty and so on. So to have a, a dimension that you could go in, essentially, immerse yourself in something that brings you joyful uh, emotions, I think is, is extremely important. So one of the things that, that you know, we focus at, at Motorsport Games here is to make sure that we're creating joyful experiences. Uh, I can't speak for all our products that we have done that, but we for sure inspire to do so. It's a matter of time until we get there. Uh, and I cannot speak for many other games that many other game genres that create the same emotion, right? There are some uh, folks that believe some genres don't necessarily bring positive emotions, could even bring opposite type of emotions. But racing, to me, it's something that's super understood. It's something that's very competitive. You know, a lot of people know how to go left and right, and, you know, it's, it's not hard to learn. Uh, and, and that sort of friendly competition, not in a sense like, I shot you in a game, so I win, Right, it's more like I beat you, you know, and 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 we rub fenders on the on the racetrack, etc. Um, just creates a, a positive emotion that I want to spread around the world. So if racing games are a tool for that, to touch the masses, to have just a little more joyful experiences in their life, I would feel like I have contributed. 
Ah, oh, that's wonderful. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with that, Dimitri. On the point you touched on, I want to, you know, go a little bit further on that point, because there is a risk and dark side to other gaming trends in society. You know, violence, shooting. What's your personal opinion, if you can share those, about that side of the gaming trends? Um, my personal opinion, look, I, I think uh, they go after uh, a different type of emotion. I think they still go after a competitive type of emotion and somebody proving to somebody else that they are better. Um, and the format is chosen as the ultimate better because you're essentially on the ground. If, I, if I'm the one that's winning, um, I'm not too in favor of those genres. I respect them quite a bit. Um, I respect that there are, in some cases, the most popular ones, uh, yes. but I personally enjoy the positive ones. Uh, I don't pay uh, enough attention except for what I need to in the industry trend side uh, to the other genres that I just see. They, they promote a different type of experience. Right. And so, you know, certainly there's, there's been a lot of progress, Dimitri, in virtual reality, augmented reality. And now we're talking about the metaverse. How does MSG play in each of these realms? Sorry, I, I coughed briefly. So what was your uh, question? That's, that's all right. You know, we're talking, you know, there's certainly a, a big progression in terms of virtual reality, augmented mm -hmm. reality, and the metaverse. And so how does motorsports play in each of these realms? Uh, interesting. Uh, the last one, I won't comment because we're a public company. We haven't said anything publicly yet, but the first ones I would. So actually another positive and unique uh, feature of racing games in particular. Think about VR, right? VR is when you cover your eyesight yes. uh, with, with screens and you're immersing yourself into, you're essentially tricking your body that you're somewhere else, right? Through your eye senses and, and so on. Think about... Um, back to your examples of other game genres. Okay, yes. you put on a VR headset and you're going there and shooting. You're trying to replicate a, a war type of, I'm guessing, environment. I don't know too many wars that were fought in a chair, right? It's just, it doesn't go deep enough in immersion, in my opinion. Yes, you could look around, you could be in the bunker, but that's probably where it ends. What I think is different in racing environment you are essentially in a real world. You're sitting when you're racing. Yes. So you are there. You are looking around as to what your, you know, left sides, right side, whatever are. And you essentially have the same controls, which could be the steering wheel and pedals right in front of you. So I think the level of immersion that's possible in racing games through VR is completely unparalleled to what uh, other gaming genres could be for that same reason that at a certain point when you're playing shooter game at a certain point your mind will be like no nah, i'm not really in the game because i'm still sitting right i can't really duck or we see some funny videos online where people run into a wall that's another way but racing you're in the seat you're immersed so i think it strikes a, a, a deeper emotional chord with the vr experience when it comes to racing and you know there's a a great example of one of our portfolio games, Carcraft, which is a karting game, uh, has the VR capability, and it's awesome. And I'm not just saying that because it's our game, but like the experience is really, really cool. That's awesome. Okay, and and you're always looking ahead, Dimitri. You're always looking at the next, uh, you know, gaming technology. What is the next disruptive gaming technology in in the um, in esports gaming industry? Do you think? I mean, and we we could be talking about development or platforms mobile or cloud-based what do you think the next big shift is going to be uh well i think there's multiple uh fronts or tailwinds or however you want to call it that's currently happening <clears throat> that could come to something that could influence the entire space uh you mentioned one of the buzzwords metaverses right there's there's been some notions of that a long time ago um i think there is there's monetization formats. Um, I think there's uh, digital ownership formats. You hear this notion of NFTs, right? So I think some of these tools uh, could help us experience uh, interactive entertainment to a next level, whether it's 
solidifying an ownership in our game uh, through something that feels like a real ownership, like if you were in a real world, and, and maybe that uh, helps evolve the market. I wouldn't maybe even call it disrupted, right? Uh, or maybe it's, you know, higher fidelity items and so on that just allows us to believe that we really are somewhere else um, and check off all of those uh, boxes on our different senses that could bring us back to reality, like the shooter VR sitting in a seat example I brought. Yeah. So I think really the, um, I wouldn't pinpoint to say, you know, metaverse is the disruption, NFT is a disruption, VR is a disruption. Uh, I think there's some combination of all of those things that could be applied in a different format that just increases our uh, ability to be immersed and entertained. Um, and I think the more that that happens, uh, the more fun, uh, you know, folks would have, and that will help spread, you know, the, the those joyful experiences, because those are the ones you want to share with your friends and invite into. Absolutely. Okay. All right. And even when we worked together, this was five or six years ago, Dimitri, I always remember that you had a passion for motor car racing. So how did the stars align for you in landing this dream opportunity, Dimitri? <laughs> well, um, uh, yes, I've been always passionate about cars. I've been always passionate about tech. Um, and as a kid that likes those two things, it's fair to assume I played racing games. Yeah, so re remembering, you know, first good ones, need for speed, Gran Turismo's, remember right. not sleeping at night, trying to pass a license and all these <laughs> things. So, um, you're, you're absolutely right. This opportunity became like crossroads at all my passion points, uh, which is one of those deep motives that I believe will help us persevere through anything. And yes. I, I think that that will help the organization get through any possible challenges now or in the future, whichever. But to answer your question directly, uh, as you know, when we worked together and we had some video innovation space and things like that, uh, there was a, a, a sponsor or let's say a, a partner of mine uh, in previous ventures that we have done some things together uh, has actually been involving uh, the largest media company in motorsport space in a background while we were doing things together. And at a certain point, there were as always um, a, a reach for advice on how to do this or how to do that or how to operationalize uh, development resources, et cetera. So one uh, reach for advice turned into another, turned into another, turned into another, up until a point that I got swallowed by that company to come run as global operations. So that's our parent company today. So at one point I found myself um, you know, working through ranks and putting in processes to make a company efficient uh, at Motorsport Network, uh, taking on the COO role and overseeing 700 people and yeah. 700 excellent people that were all had a common passion, just needed help to be more efficient at what they're trying to achieve. Being the geek that you know me for, yes. um, <laughs> one of the things that I had to look into is data of the users. Right. And at that point, I remember clearly we had about 30, 31 million uh, unique monthly visitors on our digital destinations like motorsport.com, et cetera. And I looked at that point, about 5.6 million of those users identified themselves as they own a gaming console. So here I am, was taken back by that stat, looking at it and saying, wait a minute, I have an audience of 5.6 million that I know are passionate in motorsport and they own a gaming console. The company doesn't have a product to give them. That is not a position you find yourself every day, right? Usually it's like a chicken and egg. I got an innovation. I just need a whole bunch of people on it. And then, well, I need a lot of people on it because, you know, a, a product. So yeah. here was very simple uh, to understand that if we bring in great racing games, we have, uh, you know, an aggregated, uh, passionate user base that would be able to consume that. Uh, so right away, just like we did many things at the parent company, we look for an acquisition that help us jumpstart this endeavor. Uh, and we stumble upon an opportunity to invest in 
uh, a studio that had the NASCAR franchise. And when we invested in it, um, I have talked to the principal, the one that you know, was talking about advice and things like that, saying that that opportunity could be scaled a lot. And even though we obtained something that was just NASCAR, if you think about tech-wise, racing games still have some commonalities in between them. Most of them have four wheels. Most of them have physics that they have to abide by, right? Most of them are certain type of car models. A lot of the tracks are similar, you know, used by multiple different race series. I said, we could take this and scale it. And here's my plan. Here's my vision and so on to turn this into a self-sustained business with a very clear growth path. That went pretty good. Mm-hmm. At that pitch. So uh, in a sense that I demoted myself from running the parent company operations to uh, gladly taking on a role in a company that essentially would just acquire that had dozen individuals at the most uh, and help cherry pick sort of some superstars out of the parent company, bring them together and really expand on that vision to turn NASCAR game into motorsport games, right? right? And, and that's how I found myself um, in the crossroads of all my passion points where it's games, it's cars, you know, it's tech. I get a chance to innovate and I get to be around folks that are similar in that regard where they want to create great virtual racing experiences. So stuff that I couldn't do in real life, it's now possible in virtual life. It's yeah. phenomenal. And, and uh, you know, for the listening audience, it's just nothing but beaming smiles on Dimitri. You've found your sweet spot, Dimitri, for sure. It is just wonderful to see that. It is wonderful to see. So what's your grand vision for motorsports games? Well, I really want to become household brand name for racing games, but really for those joyful experiences that we talked about, right? For me, uh, this is a great set of tools, IP, tech, when executed properly together, we could really bring joy to the masses around the world. And I think uh, racing games are super well suited for it. And in our position where we hold some very key licenses with uh, very sort of world renowned brands uh, and our ability to tap into our parent company's audience, uh, bring them those joyful experiences I think puts us in the position to be able to execute against that vision of becoming that household brand name. And a lot of things fall into that when I define it as such, but I really would love like Google is synonymous with search engine, right? We say, go Google that. I'd love for people to say, let's go play motorsport games, right? Regardless of which one they're playing, it doesn't matter. That's, that should just become uh, a notion to describe a fun, joyful experience that friends could have together. Got it, got it. Okay, and so describe the culture you built at um, MSG and, and what are your values there? Um, well, interesting enough that we're actually uh, going through a notion of assuring that everybody in our organization understand the values and what, what we're really after. So. We, we haven't announced to a lot of the folks, even though they feel it deep inside what they are. Um, cool enough that we're still new and we grew so fast that the basic stuff like core values that I personally believe in uh, didn't even get a chance to be properly uh, distributed or, or posted on a wall or you know mission and vision statement on a website. Like those basic things that uh, you would think are, are necessary. And I completely agree they are. Um, we're just in one year anniversary of going public. We're saying, wait a minute, we, f- we forgot this thing. We, we have to get it there because I do believe that core values uh, do allow you to um, help you see the path to that North Star, right? So, and, and we found ourselves, I was uh, semi-joking with the team uh, just yesterday, saying that, you know, as everybody joined, we're sort of like, hey, jump on a boat, row in the same direction, right? And, and so on. And, and I'm super grateful for the team that, that took the initiative and just jumped in and, and, and all went, went forward. 
but you know, we we come to a realization that you know we're already you know quite large in the sense that you know I don't get an opportunity to touch everybody in a sense of you know explaining the vision, explaining our mission, and showing the passion. So things like our our core values go um, a long way demonstrating those. And and so back to your wisdom bite: anything is possible with the right drive. What's Dimitri's personal kind of mix in value? I mean, it's not published and, and you haven't instituted it in your, in your company yet, but from Dimitri's standpoint, because you've been a very successful techpreneur, 26 patents, you bring in your personal kind of value. What would, how, how would you describe that? You know, uh, I think if you ask my friends, uh, how would they maybe describe me? I think uh, there'll be couple of words that lead to one that I would define as authenticity, mm-hmm. right? I think no matter what, um, I'm predictable uh, in a sense that they know what they're, they're going to get, right? And whether it's my friends, whether it's my colleagues, whether it's my partners, et cetera. So I think my personal value throughout my life has been being authentic, right? And, and I learned through experience of how to be courageous enough to be authentic from the very beginning, right? And say, this is really who I am. Here's where I lack. And I don't really care if you will take a choice to use what I lack against me. I'm fine with that. But I recognize that. And that's my area of improvement. So great, poke holes, but I'm going to continue to be authentic. And I don't think, uh, uh, at least I haven't met such person that would say that, uh, you know, that that's not me. So that's my personal value. And it's actually value number one that I distill in motorsport games. Wonderful. Beautiful. Well said, Dimitri. Thank you for that. All right. So I'm not the expert in uh, motorsports and, uh, you know, um, esports and car racing. But what I can tell you in my household is we've, my wife and I have always stayed, stayed away from the other type of games that we described before. But my boys were into Mario Kart, Gran Turismo, Need for, I mean, Need for Speed. They love those types of stuff. As a, as a matter of fact, they still play them. So how does MSG differentiate itself from those particular titles? Uh, great question, Richard. Thank you. Uh, I, I love the fact that you mentioned Mario Kart. To yeah. me, when it comes to joyful experience, that's one of those great examples. Yes. Right? Because I, I haven't also met a person, I'm sure they exist, but uh, every time I, I mention Mario Kart to somebody, a smile goes on somebody re- replay something in their mind of their fun experience with somebody or themselves, et cetera, um, playing that game. So I think that's a great model for fun, joyful experience. So if anything, I think Mons- uh, Motorsport Games actually strives for that experience. However, we handle world's renowned IP. And I think what's important is that we represent the sport that we have IP for properly, right? Um, And again, we're just getting started. So we're just in the basic uh, elements of it. But imagine an NBA game uh, that doesn't represent NBA. You can't put an NBA logo on it then, right? Because there's a certain type of expectation that comes with that product. So I think one of the things that differentiate us is that we are those sporting titles that are meant to portray what that sport is. And the cool part is, Every one of motorsports or majority of them are different from each other. You know, your experience at NASCAR is different than IndyCar. It's different than 24-hour Le Mans. It's different than British Touring Car. It's different than Formula One and any one of these. And every one of them have a character, sort of like something that attracts um, a, a demographic to be entertained by. We get a chance to make that uh, entertainment interactive. So... Our goal that we continue to uh, strive for is to make sure that we portray that sport properly so that that character of that particular sport comes to life. And I think one thing that will differentiate us from those examples that you made, those particular examples that you made are all generic. There's no really, they have a theme, right? But there's no... I don't want to say a character that probably won't be unfair, but uh, they're not meant to represent something. 
mm -hmm. uh, like we do. We meant to represent a sport. So one of the things that differentiate us that we will represent those sports, we will turn it into something that's a joyful experience because you don't know, maybe somebody is playing our NASCAR game that don't even know what NASCAR is, but they just heard that it's cool and they want to try it and so on. So we want to actually broaden that and take that character of that sport to a wider masses to attract them into uh, how cool these uh, individuals are, or franchises we call them are. And in collection, right, in, in aggregate format, you could think of us as a, a stable of different racing disciplines, but we're catering to essentially a virtual racer, right? Somebody that likes that form of entertainment, likes the adrenaline, likes those joyful experiences. And regardless which entry door they walk in into Motorsport Games portfolio, we want them to have that uh, fun, but yet different experience within. So it's not like we're approaching from you know, Gran Turismo point of view, like you mentioned, which is phenomenal game, great team. Uh, it's generic, right? Yeah. You're there to race. Here, you're there to kind of relive and enjoy the experiences and the characteristics of each individual sport and you could hop around them and so on right understood understood and those are iconic ip brands as, as you mentioned okay all right before we move to the next segment dimitri just to close this part out what are the top five non-negotiables to create a successful game and why are these so critical non-negotiables um I, I guess one of the battle scars i now carry uh, you can ship a game with bugs, or at least game-breaking bugs. It's just non-negotiable. Um, and, and, and the sad part is we learned the hard way, uh, but there was no intent for us to release something that, that would create opposite of the experience that we're after. Uh, but that, that was the reality. You know, we, we messed up. We released the game. It had some bad bugs in it that slipped through our cracks. That's non-negotiable. Like, those type of things you, you can cannot do um i think just for motorsport games uh or or the folks that we have here one of the non-negotiables is if if you're not passionate around creating great experiences and motorsport you know being just an example it's not a mandatory one then you, you, we, we don't care to have somebody that just wants this as a job we so it becomes almost like a non-negotiable thing if we don't feel that you're you know have the same passion as as the rest of us do you know then probably wouldn't work out so let's uh let, let's cut to the chase yeah um so it, it's things like that i think uh you know good intentions or something that i value authenticity in people it it's also non-negotiable you know Unfortunately, you don't always find out that people are authentic from the beginning, uh, but there's definitely you know, something that I would look for, uh, especially those that surround you know, this valuable IP. So just three examples. Got it. Okay, excellent. And I appreciate that, Dimitri. Thank you. All right, for the lighter rounds now, what would you change in any area of life, not just business? What would I change uh, in any area of life? Not just um, it can be business can be, but um, it's a, it's a broad it's a broader scope. Education, okay. Um, it, you know, maybe I, I try to give you an example that's not too close to what I do, so that way it's you know gets you that emotion that you just you just did kind of semi confused one. Um, I I do believe, uh, even though I appreciate enormously what our education system brings and instills in our kids. I think it's great foundation, but I'm not sure that uh, it, it's there, or at least I haven't seen, maybe because I'm not exposed to it so much lately, uh, preparing for some of the real world challenges, right? Uh, whether it's basics on, you know, understanding why paying taxes is beneficial, and I'm stealing this from somebody else because I, I actually understood and aligned with that interest. But things like that, that I'm not sure are part of the basic learning aspects. So I think if anything, um, I hope that education system evolves into 
uh, practical things. So we allow our students to make some real world mistakes. So when they come out into a real world and those mistakes become more costly than a bad grade, uh, they will be more prepared on how to deal with it and maybe how to overcome it and how to just be a little bit stronger, you know, like rhinos, you know, rhinos become stronger when they rub against things and their skin become thicker. I think our students need thicker real world skin. Interesting. And more life skills, I think, is where, is where you're driving, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here, here, I agree. What are you grateful for, Dimitri, in any area of life, not just business? Family. Okay. I think, uh, you know, not enough appreciation goes to uh, the real foundation of, of what we are. The real foundation is uh, things that surround you today and things that surrounded you from the very beginning as you were brought up. So I think those things, those surroundings, those principles, those things that later became core values like mine of authenticity, um, I think get underappreciated most of the time. So for me, um, I guess as I get older, I tend to realize more and more, one, I appreciate how I was brought up, the values that my parents put in me, the things that I monitored as what to not do and made those judgments. Uh, and my family, that's at the end of the day, when things are not going well, right? Probably those are the ones that I could go to and they will say something or just look at me or do some sort of thing that uh, sparks you back into your, your lane, which is amazing. And I mean, hopefully one of my family members will, will hear this and they will see that uh, I definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The quick round. So for budding gaming innovators in each of these areas, Dimitri, what advice would you give them? If they want to launch a game app, what's your key advice to go viral distribution? <laughs> uh, create something that people like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think, uh, well, that's it. I think you just got to get it into a, a small a test group of individuals. And if that sparks uh, beyond what you could imagine, and I mean, like it strikes an emotional chord that they're just dying to spread the word, then you got something. Um, but until then, you probably got to keep going. Okay. All right. So on that theme, what was it about games like Angry Birds and Temple Run that differentiated them toward a massive global success? Uh, simple thing to understand, right? Wow. Temple run, you just, they're, they're super simple. They're, uh, essentially, uh, harsh description, but time wasters. So if I have five minutes to kill, we won't say in which room of the house, right? You just pull up a temple run and you're, you're going at it. You're doing some obstacles. You're feeling good. And regardless of how much time you have, you could spend a minute, 30 seconds or three hours. The game design was made to cater to any time investment in it. Uh, so I think those fun, cute experiences uh, help, you know, somebody overlook a shoulder and saying, what the heck are you doing? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm bored next to you, so I'm playing Temple Run. So people don't say that, but that's what happens. And oh, so so goes the, the spread of the world. That's awesome. That's great. Okay. And so you mentioned pitching when you were doing the, when you were kind of the pre-run before motorsports. Mm -hmm. um, so what is your one key wisdom bite for pitching a game concept? Uh, have enough details uh, prepared uh, and, and poke holes at it yourself uh, and have some test beds out there uh, so then when you come to pitching, you're kind of ready for uh, challenges that are going to be thrown at you. So, you know, we constantly discuss game concepts, game design elements, and so on. And when there isn't enough preparation, it's visible, but not to a sense that you won't get through. What happens is if you're not well prepared, um, that actually doesn't make you feel good when somebody pokes a hole on something that seems obvious and you're like, Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. 
So my advice would be uh, spend more time on preparing. So that way, when you're going out there, the more solid it feels, the higher chance of, you know, being accepted and moving to the next level it is. Um, I don't want to misquote. I think I know who's, who said this, uh, but I don't want to sound silly in case somebody calls me out and say, no, it wasn't that, it was that. <laughs> but some, somebody said, out of an hour, they will spend 55 minutes preparing and five minutes of doing. Yeah. Um, I, I learned to believe in that. Yes. And notice how I said learn, because I wasn't <laughs> like that from the beginning. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, awesome. All right. So if anyone knows you well and they followed your career and your progression, you've got 26 you know, IP and patents behind your name. So why is it important to protect those? And can you share any war stories? <laughs> war stories uh, would be too lengthy for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there, there's plenty of battle scars. Uh, why is it important to protect IP? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I honestly, even though I believe in protection of IP, I believe more in execution of the innovation. You know, there's plenty of these patents and, and you mentioned a number that seems like more than two dozen and so on. You know, it's great. But until you're actually putting them in, in use and uh, evolving that, uh, they're no good. Right. There's there's plenty of people that, you know, named authors and, you know, IP creators and innovators that they, they were, you know, nowhere with actually trying to execute on those things. So I did execute on a couple of them and that made me feel good. Um, and some of them found their way into the market, uh, but some are there collecting dust. And I that's that's no good for society. It's no good for. A paper it's written on you know i think the attorneys that charge who put that stuff together are the ones that benefited from it and my hats off to them because they actually were very helpful figuring out this craziness into something that that reads well so that's that that that's all all right okay all right who's your business hero and that you basically aspire to who's your business hero that you aspire to is the question Interesting, because I do have quite a few that I look for different things. Yeah. Um, and, and quite honestly, wasn't prepared for the call like that, because then I would have came with a list and say one attribute of, of that. Um, and if you name a name, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I inspired to them too for this. Yes. Right. So, so I find kind of the interesting aspects in, in a lot of the leaders. Um, I like just one example, right? I like Elon Musk for uh, crazy work ethics, uh, always coming up with something that is, seems crazy to the world, but somehow becomes a standard. Uh, and I believe he's a marketing genius. Mm -hmm. Somehow, some way, you know, something clicks in his thought process that uh, helps construct. And I'm sure he has a tremendous and amazing team around him uh, that able to help execute on that. But somehow you think something is silly later on, you know, as time passes by, you're like, oh man, that was so genius, right? Like use the example of uh, window breaking in that Cybertruck presentation. I think personally that was planned and I think that was genius plan. <laughs> so, so it's things like that, that um, somebody that went beyond the expected regardless of what type of leader or celebrity or so on, or just notified by the masses they are, uh, there's plenty like that that I could uh, take certain elements from. Awesome, awesome. And I agree as well. He's a tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, business hero, innovator. So, so Dimitri, in the past years, I've always known you to, to possess a, a very high level of emotional quotient. That I've known you for and that I really respected a lot when we worked closely together, in addition to your visionary and creative qualities. So what qualities must one cultivate to see such possibilities in the world? Interesting. Um, well, in the realm of what you're described, which by the way, thank you, you know, continue being humble, right? Uh, one thing is uh, there's always somebody better than you. 
and there's a good chance that somebody better than you is right in front of you. And I think to give everybody a chance to recognize that uh, you don't know it all, uh, kind of embrace that and look for whoever's in front of you where whether you think that they know better than you or not, uh, be welcoming. Um, I think one of those things that I continue to work on is identify issues or, or things of areas of improvement, even myself, right? I use a doorknob as a silly example earlier, uh, but it's really innovating myself as well, right? It's constantly seeking for improvement uh, that helps me build a character of constant kind of, uh, I, I'm not even sure how to word it. See, another area of improvement. I need to learn how to word this stuff better. So <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, I would say staying humble, always recognizing that it's uh, you don't know it all. There's definitely somebody better than you at all times, no matter what you're thinking of. Try to seek that and try to get something from that because you as individual, you have an opportunity to collect a whole bunch of things into your own unique uh, combination of those things. And I think if you're, you know, uh, to you, you know, I inspire of some of your uh, skills in, in finance and in related areas. Uh, whenever I go in front of you for those type of uh, reportings back in those days, I was learning, you know, whether I thought I knew it or not. Uh, and I took some takeaways from you and then from somebody else and from somebody else and from somebody else. And now, you know, a collection of, of that, that others will say, oh, you actually know a little bit about this and a little bit of that. that. That's great, but that's not really me. I'm just a collector of other people's knowledge uh, that I really uh, kind of attracted. So I would say continue learn, continue improvement uh, is what I inspire to every day. Um, and, and stay humble because no matter how much you know, somebody knows more. Absolutely. No, great advice, Dimitri. So if you had one piece of advice for a budding techpreneur, who aspires to change the world, Dimitri, what would it be? Uh, an advice for a tech? A techpreneur who aspires to change the world, what would it be? Go do it. Just go do it. And don't let nobody tell you you can't do it. Like just believe in that strong enough. And those that are crazy enough to believe are actually the ones that do it. Absolutely. It. Just go do it. Absolutely. And that comes back to your wisdom by is anything is possible with the right moment. And you're saying, take the next step and make it happen. Just do it. Yeah. And do it one more time more than somebody else that failed previously at the same attempt. Just do it one more time. Absolutely. One more time. When you fail, it, that means that you got to do it one more time. Wonderful. Great advice, Dimitri. Dimitri, this has been fantastic. Uh, some wonderful imparting of, of your wisdom bites there. I know there's a lot of kind of learnings along your career that you've imparted there. So um, it, it, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled. And I'm sure the audience is going to find a lot of value out of this. So thank you so much, Dimitri. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you. And love you and your family very much. You take care of yourself. You. Really appreciate it, Dimitri. Thank Thanks you so much. much. Cheers. Bye-bye. I hope that you found today's session valuable. If so, please follow me on Instagram at outram.richard and post your comments. Thank you again. Until the next podcast.